into the Word. Um, James 4.17 says, Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. And I want to preach to you today from a simple title, It's Hard to Be a Christian. And I was talking... So I usually don't, um, whether it's because I don't want to see somebody that's more intellectual than me go, oh, well, that's a stupid subject, or you don't know what you're talking about, or you shouldn't preach on Like Nancy, she doesn't know what I'm going to preach on until I get up here and start talking. And it's not something that I usually share, but my son-in-law... Um, and he does think he knows everything. So when he asked me the question, in my gut, I was like, do I answer him or do I not? And he asked me, hey, what are you preaching on Sunday? And I said, well, it's hard to be a Christian. And he goes, oh, wow. He's like, you could get down some rabbit holes with that sermon. And I'm like, yeah, I could. Um, you start looking at things that you've got to do to be a Christian, and it really, um, you know, we don't usually in this church have, you know, a, um, a series that goes on and on. But if you want to take that title, It's Hard to Be a Christian, um, that could be a 52-week series because there's a whole lot going on in there. And so um, what I have done is I have taken and tried to break down just some things that we can look at um, to be a Christian. Now... There's no better thing in this whole world than to be a Christian. And those of us that are saved know that. And I'm not talking today to people that are not saved. I'm talking to people that are saved. Um, if you're not saved, you need to get saved. And pastor teaches so much on that. And it, it's something that we need to do. So if you, if you don't have salvation, you need to get it. But I'm not talking about salvation today because salvation, very simply, is a faith thing. Like, it is a faith thing. You cannot work your way. You cannot show up to food and clothing. You cannot um, show up to every time the doors are open. You cannot go through the neighborhood and hand out flyers. You cannot do any of these things to get saved. So when I say it's hard to be a Christian, um, I'm not talking about your eternal life in heaven. Are you hot? Are you hot? I'm hot. If anyone's hot, I'm just, I'm joining right in there. I thought you guys were, anyway. Um, however, by definition of the word Christian is to be Christ-like. And to be Christ-like, how many people here know that's a hard thing to do? Right? I mean, Jesus is the only perfect person in the world, ever, ever has been, ever will be. And if we want to say that we're a Christian, then there are some things that we've got to do. We can't just, I mean, being a Christian and making it to heaven really are two different things. If you're truly saved, you're going to heaven. But if you want to be a Christian, by definition... To be Christ-like, and for us, that takes work. So I broke down some categories, um, and I, again, I was trying to keep it um, somewhat simplified 
And I am going to go through a lot of verses because one of the things that pastor says is that you, and, and you'll see here a little later on, is you want to check the things that you hear from up here on this stage to make sure that it's from the Word of God. And so um, there's a few things that I was going through that we kind of need to do as Christians if we're going to be Christians. Um, the first thing that I have is our interaction with God. If you're going to be a Christian, you have to have some inter interaction with God. Um, if any of you have been here at least more than once, just tell me the one thing that you hear pastors say almost every single thing, every single time, three things that we got to do on a regular day in and day out basis. Read your Bible, pray, and make good choices. And I was thinking about that. It's like, man, that was a great, that was great for me when I first came to this church. And I'll keep it brief, but many people know my story. I was, I was raised in the Episcopal Church. I mean, I was 40 years, 43 years in the Episcopal Church. Um, and during that time, number one, nobody asked me if I was ever saved, if I had a relationship with God. But number two, um, nobody ever told me that I needed to read my Bible and say my prayers. We just went to church, and I sat through church, and I had the whole service memorized. And I was, my mom used to bump me because I was whispering one word ahead of what the preacher was getting ready to say because I had the whole thing memorized over and over and over again. But um, when I got saved, I happened to be at a different church, and I realized that what I had been in and what I was going through was not what it was supposed to be. So I got saved, and it was a really big church that I got saved in, and I didn't have a spiritual father to lean on or to direct me or to teach me. And so I found myself from 1998 to 2003 um, just faltering. Like when pastor says the worst thing in the world to be is a, is a Christian with one foot in the world and one foot in Christ, man, I lived that for the first, first five years. I'm like, man, this ain't, something, something's wrong. Um, I kept getting contradicted by the Holy Spirit, but I didn't know what I was contradicted from. I mean, I wasn't reading the Bible. I wasn't getting word. I wasn't saying prayers. I was just, you know, it's like I knew and I'd pray every once in a while because I was, I was saved and there was something there, but I had no structure to it. And so when I came here, Pastor was the first one that ever, I mean, he's my spiritual father and he's the first one that ever guided me on the things that we're supposed to do. But I started thinking, he's like, hey, test me, check this out, you know. And he says that all the time. Say your prayers, read your Bible, and make good choices. So the first thing I did is... Read your Bible. When you read your Bible, we have to understand that, um, first of all, if we have salvation, and this is where I struggled so much my first five years, if we have salvation, then we have a relationship. This is what it's all about, is a relationship with Jesus Christ. And when we say our prayers, and the reason why pastor pushes that is because he is pushing our relationship with God. Our prayers that we push up is our talking to God, and our reading is our listening to God, right? So in Acts 17.11, when he says, read your Bible, which is our listening to God, it says, these were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness, and they searched the scriptures 
when? Daily. Daily. To find out whether these things were so. So when pastor says read your Bible daily, we have scripture to back this up. We are supposed to receive the word with readiness and we are supposed to search the scriptures daily. And I can tell you this as um, a married man that some of the best time that Nancy and I have is when we sit together and we read our scriptures daily. And we talk with each other. Um, it's, it gives us an accountability that we're reading our, our scriptures daily. But it also gives us time that we can talk about God and talk about the cool things that go on that we break out. Nuggets. I know pastors taught he and Dini used to be like, hey, did you see that nugget? And here's the cool thing. This is the cool thing is I've now had a spiritual father for 17 years, 16, 17 years. And I've been reading my Bible daily. Um, I, no one's perfect. I'm sure I've missed, you know, days in. But for the most part, I'm pretty much a seven-day out of seven-day dude on the Bible. That's just one of my routines that I do when I wake up in the morning. And yet, yesterday, it's like, did you know? Like, did you? I found out, like, this is, I found out something new. I learned something new. God is talking to us, and he reveals if we are searching the scriptures daily to find out whether these things are true or not. The stories were put there for our perfection so that we can learn by them and so that we can have what they had, right? And so if we are searching the scriptures daily, then it is going to be feeding into us, and that's the purpose, that's the interaction, the first interaction that we have with God. The second thing is praying, which is our way of talking to God. In Mark 135... Second to open this. Now in the morning, I should open this ahead of time. Having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. Now I read this, and I'm thinking, okay, I know that if I call Pastor Scott at seven or eight, that he hadn't woken up yet. And that's because, so I'm, I'm searching this, and I'm like, okay, in the morning, he rose before daylight. Um, well, I can just tell you that our pastor is searching the scripture daily, and it is before daylight, because he's usually still up at 5 o'clock in the morning, and that's what he does. Now, it's so funny, because he talks, uh, you know, he'll say, oh, I don't know about you people, there's something wrong with you that wake up at 5 or 6 o'clock in the morning. And I'm sitting there smiling on the front row, because that's what I've always done. I've always been that guy that woke up at 5 o'clock in the morning and I spent, you know, 30 minutes or what, whatever time, you know, in prayer. I spend whatever time reading my Bible. And then, um, and then I do crazy things like I did this morning. Um, how many of you know it was cold this morning? It was 46 degrees out there when, we, when I woke up this morning. Um, this is just a side note. This is one of these rabbit trails I'm going to try and stay off of fairly. Um, but 46 degrees this morning. The water temperature in my pool was 66 degrees, and I was talking with Shannon last week, and I said, yeah, I went swimming today. It was like 70, and she goes, oh, 70, that's not bad. How many of you know in here that when you turn the cold water on in your shower and you take a cold shower, that's like 78, right? So just to give you, well, at 46 degrees outside, 66 degrees inside, I went swimming this morning. Um, shoulders were hurting, back was hurting, um, 
I try and recommend that to pastor. I don't think he's going to be jumping in a swimming pool at, at, at 46 degrees outside. Um, but I get up in the morning time, and what, they, what this is is the confirmation that when pastor says, read your Bible, say your prayers, that this is something that Jesus did on a regular basis. And he goes out and he departed to a solitary place. This is something that you do. You need to have a conversation daily with Christ. Scriptural. You need to have a conversation with Christ by yourself. Have the relationship. Talk back and forth. Um, As a matter of fact, in Matthew, when we talk about the Lord's Prayer, it says, and we ask this day, our daily bread. Again, Scripture. Daily. It's telling us that we need to get our daily bread by praying. So when pastor says, read your Bible, say your prayers, do this every day, there's scripture behind what he's saying. I've never even thought about that before until I started looking at what we need to do. And then the last thing is make good choices, which goes back to our opening verse, which is, therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. So how many people in here know the whole Bible by heart? No? How many people know a thousand verses? How many people know a hundred verses? How many people know ten? You know, yeah, maybe we get, uh, ten we can get down to where we're talking about. But here's the thing. No one knows this whole book. But in James, what it's telling you to do is do what you know to do. Right? If you don't do what you know to do, then that's sin. And it's not the fact that we have to be perfect. It's not the fact that we have to know this whole Bible or this whole book. If we would just do the things that we know to do are right, then everything would be a whole lot better off. And it's the making good choices daily, right? So we've got this, read your Bible, say your prayers, make good choices, These are things that are commanded by God for us to do. The next thing I looked at was our interaction with people. Okay, Interaction with people, that can be an easy thing or that can be a real hard thing. Um, But I started out with one um, that I think is real important. And I think we've lost it today. And that's in Exodus 20.12. And I had this just down in my list of things to do, and I'm like, no, this is important. This is an important thing to do. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord God is giving to you. Everybody has parents when they're born. And the Bible says to honor your father and your mother. And it doesn't give any condition upon that honoring your father and your mother. It just tells you to do it. And... I I try, again, through having a spiritual father, I began to understand this verse because when my mom was still alive and I would talk with pastor, for any of you that knew my mom, you would think, oh, she's the sweetest old lady. She's just so nice. Everybody loves her. I mean, everybody. But I'm just here to tell you she wasn't always sweet. Not every day. Um, she had issues, and, um, and I would talk with pastor sometimes because she lived in our house, 
that was one thing that we did, honoring my mom, is I had my mom went into an assisted living facility, and, like, she was there, I don't know, she made it a few months, I guess, and she called me up. She's like, Jimmy, I don't want to be here. I'm like, okay, mom. That, she, I got off the phone. I went down and rented a U-Haul. I drove over to Pensacola, Florida. My brother and I loaded her up, and I drove back. That's what my mom wanted. I honored my mom. But then when she passed and Pastor and I were talking, he's like, you know that don't stop now. This doesn't say honor your mother and father until you're 18 and move out of the house. It doesn't say honor your mother and father until you're married and you have your own family. It doesn't say honor your mother and father um, until they pass and then you can badmouth them. I mean, maybe I shouldn't have said that she wasn't sweet all the time. Maybe I should have just kept the image up that she was just a sweet old lady because she was. I love my mom. She was a sweet woman, and she was a true Christian. She loved. She would love do anything for any one of you in here if she was here and if she could do that. She would do that. And so our conversation of honor your mother and father went beyond the grave, and he's like, no, man. He, now, my dad has been gone for 20 years, but he's like, no. When you talk about your dad, he goes, you shouldn't talk about some of the things that you and he got into that were private. You need to keep your father honored and in a place of honor. And now that your mom's passed, if you know, he goes, if you have any dirt on Miss Olive, which I don't believe you do, because she was just a sweet old lady, he's like, you keep that to yourself. You honor your mother. And in today's society... Um, there's hardly any honor out there at all with youth. I mean, there's a bunch of talk back. There's a bunch of sassiness. There's a bunch of arguing. There's just a whole bunch of mess that goes on. And, you know, people lean on um, teachers. Well, for a while, maybe 10 years ago, you know, people were like leaning real heavy on teachers. And then they've kind of seen what's come out of our school system. And now they're thinking, well, maybe I shouldn't. And then they go to school board meetings and they raise cane in school board meetings. And then, um, you know, the teacher's like, well, it's none of your business. I'm the professional. I'm teaching you, right? I don't know if you guys saw or not, but about two, three weeks ago, a elementary school in Broward County, which is Lauderdale, took a elementary school class to a gay bar for a field trip. Right? Um, and then they told the parents, none of your business. We're raising them. We're the professionals. You have no say-so on what goes inside this classroom. You turned your kid over us 10 years ago when we said that it starts at home, and then you expect us to raise your children. Well, guess what? They're raising them. We as parents quit raising our children, and the teachers stepped in, and now we don't like where America is or where it's going. We've got a lot of problems in America today, a lot of problems, and a lot of those problems... And when I say a lot, I mean a lot. 90%? If we had children that honored their mother and father, we would not be where we are today as a country. Right? We just wouldn't. So, interaction with people. The first thing we have to do, whether you're 61 or whether you're 32 or whether you're 18, you have to honor your mother and father and that would save a lot of issue of what we've got going on today. 
in Matthew 5.44, man, this is hard because this is, um, you got to love everybody, right? In Matthew 5.44, it says, but I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Um, that's hard. And I was reading this verse, and I know because, um, because when the when the when the Pharisee asked, you know, who is my neighbor, and Jesus replied, you know, well, it's it's easy to love your friend. Your neighbor is everyone. Okay, the neighbor is those that you hate. The, the neighbor is those that you don't get along with. Um, your enemies. The Bible is telling us to love our enemies because it's easy to love someone that you love. It's easy to love family. You don't have any enemies in your family. You see where I'm going with this? Or do you? Right? Eric and I, um, I you know, we, it, we had, we've had friction. There was a time we loved each other, but eh, we might have been enemies for a little bit. Right? And I love him to death. He's sitting right here on the front row. Um, I had to boot him out of my car once. That's hard to do when you're out of town 300 miles away. But sometimes that happens. But here's the thing. When it says to love your enemies, your enemies might be your family. Your enemies might be your friends. They, may, they might be people that we don't know. Um, it's everybody. As Christians, as Christians on a daily basis... And this is why it's hard to be a Christian. On a daily basis, we're supposed to love everybody. And it doesn't just say love everyone. I mean, because you can say that. You can say, well, I love them. I, I, but did you bless them? Did you pray for them? Did you do good to your enemies? You know, when they come flying up on that side road and I'm in my F-250, did I just like go, oh, hey, man, let me step on back and give you a spot right here? You know, was I nice? Was that dude my enemy? Here's the thing, not really, he wasn't. But I made him my enemy because he was doing what he wasn't supposed to be doing and I'm here to teach. <laughs> I just want to make some clarification right here. When pastor talks about my road rage, there has to be an upset and an angry when you have rage. I don't have any of that. I don't have rage. The teacher in me comes out, and very calmly, I just close that gap, or I almost nick them just to... I've, I've got the timing down. This car coming here, this one here, this one here, and I'm looking at all that timing. It's rolling through my mind, and I'm like, well, I can do 57 miles an hour until I'm three feet from them, scared the bejesus out of them, and then stop and not hit them. I never had a chance of hitting them. I wasn't angry. I was just teaching them. When pastor talks about my road rage, I just have teaching abilities that I do. But no road rage. We need to be nice to people. And in Luke 37, it says, Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be get condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. So, not only... Are we supposed to pray for people that we don't like? Not only are we supposed to bless people 
that we don't like, that are our enemies. Not only are we supposed to be nice to them, but we also can't be going behind. Well, I'm, I'm doing what God wanted. I'm nice to that guy, but holy mo- is he just out of his mind? That dude, I can't believe it. He's horrible. Did you know what he... Like, no, we're not judging them. We're not supposed to be judging them either. We're not condemning them. And if someone does you wrong, it says forgive and you will be forgiven. So what does that mean if you don't forgive? You're not going to be forgiven. And I, I had a situation... And I'm not going to go into details, names, or places. But I had a situation where I tell people, oh, I let that go. I let that go. I'm good with that situation. But I ain't never going to forgive what happened to me. I'll remember. So, like, two-faced. That's two different things coming out of my mouth. Because here was the reality. I didn't let it go. I just wasn't remembering it all the time. It's happened in the past, so I wasn't remembering it. But when I did think about it, oh, yeah, I ain't forgiven that because that was taken away from me, and I should have had that. And so, and for years, I thought I'd forgiven that person from what they took from me that I thought was mine. And yet, whenever I thought about it, it got me angry again. So then as I thought about it, and I examine myself, I'm like, well, maybe I didn't forgive. Maybe it's just out of sight, out of mind, but when it comes into mind, I'm still just as mad and angry as ever. Right? Things ever creep up on you that happened in your past and you get mad all over again? Yeah. We can't. We have to forgive. We have to forgive so that we may be forgiven. Does any of this sound easy to you guys? This doesn't sound easy. Do you know why? It's not easy. This is a hard thing to do. It's a hard thing to do. It's hard enough to do your daily interaction with God. It's hard enough to make the time. we got so much going on in the world today. It's hard enough to do our interaction with God, to speak with Him, to pray with Him, to talk with Him, to read your Bible. It's hard enough to do all that. But now He's asking us to go out and be nice to people all the time. He's asking us to love people all the time. This is not an easy thing to do. But yet, as, as Christians, we are commanded to do this. So, get over it. Interaction with people. we got to show love. We just have to show love. It is what it is. People are not all saved. We are not, those, those that we're not to judge are especially the unsaved. Right? At that point, if we know they're unsaved, we need the reason that we need to be praying for them is so that they can get saved, right? Then we gently bring them. We are commanded to judge your brother and sister, but not harshly. Gently bring them back into the way. But unsaved people, we've got to go out there day in, day out, and we've got to deal with people. Then I put something in there, interaction with the world. Now, this is not, this could be, you know, you can think in your mind, well, you just covered it because you just covered people and you've got all that going on and all that to deal with. And my interaction with the world 
is the physical world itself. Um, in 20, 22 through 25, it says, is it lawful for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But he perceived their craftiness and said to them, why do you test me? Show me a Daenerys whose image and inscription does it have. And they answered and said, Caesar's. And he said to them, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. And without going, I mean, that's a whole sermon on itself. And that's why I said I could have 52 weeks long to preach all these things. But basically what this is saying is that that's man's law, and we have to obey man's law. We're commanded. Pastor tell you all the time, his house is a house of law. They go, there are rules people. They follow the rules. They do what you're supposed to do. Um, Cedric was in the military. Um, my son is in the military, and he's, <laughs> Andrew's so funny. He's like, oh, I'm getting out as soon as I can. These people are idiots above me. They don't know what they're talking about. He calls me up. He calls me up on the phone from the Ukraine because a ditch got put in the wrong way and they had to use mathematical equations to get this or send it to their engineers, which are in Rota, Spain, wait for them to re-engineer it, send it back. And he's like, Dad, that'll take two weeks. Can you figure this out for me? So we sat on the phone about 20 minutes later. He's like, okay. And then they did it. And then the bosses were like, oh, you can't do it. Like, uh, and then they got it back and it was right. They didn't have to tear it apart. They had to wait a week because, to confirm what we did was right. But, you know. Um, but anyway, you have to follow rules because that's what he's in. He's in the military. Well, we're in God's army. And God tells us we have to obey man's law. But in Acts 14, eight, uh, 4, 18 and 19, it's so funny. I typed in 14 and I'm like, that has nothing to do with what I'm talking about today. Why is that in my notes? Um, in 418, it says, so they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. In 19 it says, But Peter and John answered them and said, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. It's a rhetorical question. We're talking to Pharisees here. Who's it more right to listen to, you or God? So, again, this is something that I hear from pastor on a regular basis. Oh, yeah, we got to follow man's law. The Bible commands us to follow man's law unless it conflicts with God's law. And then you got to follow God's law, right? Well, that sounds good. I'll buy into that. I have bought into it. It's something that I know to be true. I have bought into the fact that we've got to obey man's law, yet if God's law supersedes that, then we have to follow God's law. So I put Scripture behind what we hear from the podium up here, whether it's me or whether it's Pastor or whether it's Elder Keon, right? We're going to preach the Bible. And so I, got, I started thinking about this, and if there's no contradiction, we're to obey man's law. And, and that's a lot of things. And so I started thinking about, like, okay, so these are the things that we do, because I've already covered interaction with people, so these are the things that we do when people aren't around. When, um, you know, so if you are, um, just how do you take care of the world? And I am not a green tree hugger. I'm not a, you know, I don't go out and, um, 
you know, parade for different groups or whatever. But I'll just tell you, I, I was driving down the road. And this isn't a pet. I mean, the Bible says, you know, how you look out for your pets. You know, you're recognized. But I was driving down the road. There was a turtle and some truck in front of me hit it. And I'm like, you know, why would you do that? I'm driving down the road. There's a van in front of me. And pop box of Popeyes goes out the window. And I'm like, why would you do that? You know? Nobody's looking at you. Um, how many times, how many people know that Walmart cashiers are not 100% accurate? Right? Okay. So if they, <laughs> Nancy's so funny. I'm going to tell on her just a little bit. I'll just say this one thing. We can be out our car and to our house, and if it's a $1.97 item, she's spending the $4 in gas and the time that it takes to go back and go, hey, uh, you charged me double on this $1.97 item. I need my $1.97 back, right? Walmart cashiers, they are not functional. But what if it goes the other way? What if you get home and you're scouring that receipt because you know that Walmart cashiers are just not all that and that there's something going on and that you're afraid you don't want to get ripped off by $1.97 and you find a $12.97 bottle of laundry detergent in your, and they missed it. What do you do then? Right? Do, do you go back? Yeah. We're supposed to. Right? It's the things we have to do in the world. These are things that we do in the world when nobody is looking and no one is listening. Right? I mean, God is. Don't let me get off of that. But um, U-Haul. How many has rented a U-Haul before? Right? Sometimes they got blankets in them. Sometimes they don't. Well, if they stuck blankets in your U-Haul and you weren't, you're like, oh, no, I ain't paying for that. I got 32 of them in my attic. Right? I don't need blankets. But they're there, and you're like, well, I don't need to climb up that ladder and haul them bins of, you know, moving blankets down. I'm saying that through experience, by the way. We got bins of moving blankets in my attic if somebody needs one. But, um, you know, rather than do that, just use the ones that are in there. And then do you, but when you do that, do you go back to U-Haul and go, hey, by the way, I, I went ahead and used your blankets. Um, you, you had left some in there, so... Um, it was more convenient for me to do that than to go up in my attic. So go ahead and charge me the extra eight ninety nine or whatever it is it costs um, for the uh, for the blankets. Um, I used to be in fence business, and I was kind of smiling internally when I was saying I'm one of those guys that gets up at five or six. Not anymore. What is it now? About eight? About my regular time getting up. I've never done that in my life. Even on a Saturday when I slept in, it was 7 when I woke up. Um, I am semi-retired now. Um, and I do not have to get up daily. And so I find that 5 o'clock eludes me more often than not anymore. And, um, but when I was in the fence business, um, dude, the, the cashiers at Home Depot knew me. Because we loaded posts outside. And if I went inside and said, hey, I need 42 4 by 4s they're like, okay, rang it up, I paid, they went outside. Um, half the time, at least, if not more, they did not send me a helper, and I'm loading up 42 posts in the bed of my pickup truck, and I'd leave, I'd go get to the job site, and I'm like, why do I have two posts left over? And then I took my time, I'm like, at the yard, the house, the gate, the, 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 the right side, the oh, man, I got 44 posts. And I'd show back up at 3.30 or 4 in the afternoon, or I'd show back up the next morning, and Connie, that was uh, um, 
cashier in Fleming Island, which is where I was living that way when I first started. And I'd be like, Connie, I had two extra posts. And she's like, no, nobody brings that stuff back. I'm like, well, I do. And as a business, our company, we would go and pick up and we would buy vinyl and we would buy aluminum. And our vendors, our suppliers recognized us as being the only company that brought stuff back to them. They're like, dude, it, like, why are you bringing those eight tickets back? Well, because they were ex- you gave us too many, right? So what do you do when people aren't looking at you? Um, here's a good one. Um, how many in here internet shop now? Yeah? Everybody? We got Amazon Prime. Have you, have you ever had... Now, they, they make easy returns. But have you ever had an item that they said, oh, no, it's just too much money to get it back. Just destroy it. No? Okay, I had one of those. It was so funny. It was a step side for my 2014 Ford pickup. And they're like, oh, yeah, we don't want that back. Just cut it in half. And they made me cut it in half and take a picture of it and send them the picture. And they're like, okay, good. Now, Still on the edge on this one. It was too long is what was wrong. They sent me the wrong item. They asked me to cut it in half and send the picture back. And I did that. And then I cut the six inches out that was too long and welded it back together. And I had... (laughs) I, I don't know. Is that... Am I pushing the edge there? I might be pushing... But let me just say this. I didn't jip them out of the other one because I did buy the right one. I was only going to order one. I rebought another one and stuck that on an old truck that I, you know, so I didn't Jew them out of any money. Is that wrong to say that? Am I? I, I am. I am not politically correct. I struggle up here. When I, you know, when Pastor says you don't want to be in my mind, you don't want to be in mine either. Um, I try. I try. My point is, with all of this, when you're interacting with the world, when you're interacting, when, when things that affect the world that you live in, how are you doing? Because we're supposed to take care of it. Now, the Bible says that the world is fading away like, um, like an old coat. And we are going to get a new world. This world's going to be burned with fire. And we're going to have a new world that's made with Christ as our leader, Savior. He's going to reign on the earth for a thousand years. And we're going to be with him. But this earth, we don't need to just be going around trashing this earth. We need to be doing, we need to be taking care of the things we're supposed to be taking care of. And then the last thing I had that I wanted to talk about was yourself. Now... Everything that I've talked about has to do with you. I mean, it's getting up in the morning, it's saying your prayers, it's reading your Bible, it's making good choices, it's being nice to people, it's blessing them, it's forgiving them, it's taking back stuff that accidentally got in, it's picking up the turtle on the side of the road and setting him in the ditch. All of these things have to do with you, but I want to get a little bit more, just a little bit more in it. When we talk about how hard it is to be a Christian... These are some of the things that you have to do yourself um, that, let me just say this, if you do these things, you're going to 
feed the new man. You're going to feed yourself and you're going to find that the day is going to be easier to be nice to other people, to do the things that we're supposed to do. And we have to prepare ourselves daily. In Ephesians 6, 14 through 18, it says, Stand therefore, having girded your waist with the truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Right? You have to read the gospel. You have to know the gospel. You have to be prepared to go out and give it. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And I know this is a little bit out of order, I started with Ephesians 16, 14 through 18. This is an entire series about the full armor of God. And this is something that you need to invest time in yourself. When, you talk, when I talked earlier about um, they read the Scripture and they searched the Scripture daily, um, these things that I just covered are things that you should go through daily. And I know people that have... I know Christians that have actually, they go through the motions. Like, you have to prepare yourself in the morning for the day. As a Christian, if you will prepare yourself in the morning, if you will read your Bible, if you will say your prayer, and then if you will go through this, and, and, and I've had someone, I know someone, that is like, okay, I'm going to put on my feet so that I can preach the gospel of peace. I'm going to put on my shoes. I'm going to gird my loins. I'm going to put on my breastplate. And they like, they like go through the motions of putting on the breastplate and strapping it down. I'm going to take my sword. And they take their sword and they buckle it on and strap it in. And, and it's, a, it's a mental image is what. I'm not preaching on the, on the armor of God, but I'm preaching on the mental image that you can go through on a daily morning basis. Take time for God in the morning. Take time for God before you start our day. Put on the whole armor of God. And then I backed up and I went to 11 and 12 as to why we want to do all this. And it says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. We've got to be able to stand against the devil. It says, put on your armor of God that you may be able to stand against. It doesn't say in case he shows up. It doesn't say he might show up, he might not. It doesn't say, well, if you ain't wearing your armor that day, you'll be okay because, you know, armor's heavy and, you know, and, and, and I can move faster with it. No, none of these things are true. If you're going to go out to a fight against the devil, you've got to be prepared to fight the devil. And the Bible clearly says to put on the armor of God that we may be able to stand the wiles of the devil. And in verse 12, it says... For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So the first sentence of that, <clears throat> we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. And you have to 
you, you have to understand this, that when we get up in the morning and we prepare ourselves for the day, it's because we're going to have junk coming at us. And we're going to have, and it's not just our enemies. It's going to be our family. And it's going to be, I mean, dude, I've, I've talked before. I've let too much go. The, the probably I've told you guys too much of what you know I've done in the past sometimes. But sometimes, don't you know, doesn't everyone in here know that at some point, sometimes you hurt the ones you love more than you do a stranger because you don't want the stranger to know that you're all jacked up. Right? You don't want that. You don't want the stranger to know. But what's that come from? That comes from pride. That comes from pride. That's like, oh, I've got, I got to be on my best behavior. So I'm going to be this dude that's a little sassy. I'm going to be good with him. But I'm going to come home and I'm going to take it. I got to take it out on somebody. Right? Give me a child I can slap around. Give me a wife I can talk to. Right? Sometimes it comes out. Now, I've never slapped my children. I, I hit him once, but I never slapped him. Um, Nancy's shaking her head. He deserved it. It's okay. He still loves me. It was tough love. Um, I didn't hit him in the face. Uh, but here's the thing. When he was grinding on me, or when I was grinding on a wife, because I don't grind on Nancy. She don't put up with it. So... I've been married before. I would grind on them. That's why I wasn't, you know, anyway, a whole nother story. Point is, we grind on each other, whether we're friends, whether we're family. Friends grind on friends. You get two teenage girls that like the same boy, they're grinding on each other, and they're getting after it with each other, all right? But here's what I'm here to tell you. The grinding between those two teenage girls, the grinding between children and parents, the grinding between spouses, the grinding between best friends, what does the Bible tell you? You're not wrestling against them. You're not grinding with them. It's the wiles of the devil that are put in there. We are not wrestling against flesh and blood, but against the principality and the powers. And if you do not arm yourselves with the armor of God daily... And you do not do the interaction of God daily. If you don't do, if you don't read your Bible, say your prayers, if you don't do all that daily, that might be the day that you come under a sneak attack in the worst form. Right? These are things that we have to do daily. God is warning us that these things are going to happen. Proverbs says, there's, there's one part where it says, when trials come your way it doesn't say oh you're saved it's all easy greasy you're never going to have anything anymore it says when they come your way and here it's we do not wrestle against, wrestle against flesh and blood all of these things are being dumped in on top of us and if we are not prepared daily then that is the day that we're going to fall the next thing that you have to do yourself is go to church in Luke 4, 16, I almost said 14 again. In Luke 4, 16, y'all not have that one? It says, so he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. 
And here's the thing. It says, as his custom was, right? So you can have it all going on with God. You can be doing these daily things that you're supposed to. But to be a Christian, to be Christ-like, Christ was in as his daily custom. As his custom was. He was regularly in church. Now I know he was walking in between, you know, so I know he, he wasn't there daily. But when he came in, there's over 50 scriptures in the New Testament that say he went to the synagogue and preached. He went to the synagogue and preached. Christ was in his father's house on a daily basis. When he was 12 years old and his parents couldn't find him, and they went back and found him in the synagogue, he's like, well, of course I'm here. Where else would you look? I'm about my father's business, right? So Christ was in church daily. And here's the thing. When you come in here, I was talking earlier about nuggets. Man, you might find nuggets daily and you're searching your scriptures daily, but you might not. I come... You know, Wednesday night, we get more in-depth than we do here on a Sunday morning. Um, it's why we call it Abundant Life University. And, you know, like I said, I, I was reading with Nancy the other day, and I'm like, hey, here's a nugget. But I was listening to the pastor last Wednesday. I came home, Nancy, can you believe this? This is the first time I've been reading this scripture for 16, 17 years. It never hit me this way. I learned something. When you come to church, the person at this podium is supposed to stand up, talk about the word, and cause it to make sense. Okay? So that's why you come to church is so that the word can be made sense to you and because Christ did it. And we call ourselves Christians. So we're supposed to go to church. In Ephesians 17 and 18. Do we have that, Keon? And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, no, 4, not 6, 4, 17, and 18. Maybe? Okay. In Ephesians, I may not have skipped, I may have skipped that, but Ephesians 4, 17, and 18, it says, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk, in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them and the blindness of their heart. So, as new children, as a new man, as a new woman in Christ, we are not supposed to act like you're unsaved. We're not supposed to act like we're unsaved. And you're supposed to feed your new man. That is what your daily prayer, that is what your daily... Um, reading, and that is what you're coming to church, is you are constantly feeding this new man because we are no longer supposed to walk the way the rest of the world walks. When we become Christians, we're supposed to be different. When we become Christians, we're supposed to be in that counterculture. When we become Christians, people should say, hmm, there's something different about you. I'll, I'll give you an example. My daughter-in-law... Um, Tabitha, Andrew's wife, um, we, we had struggles. It wasn't the best. Like, like she wasn't just great right out the gate. Um, but when she came here to this church, she came because she thought my son was cute. That's why she came here. And then she would listen to pastor. And then she would listen. And then I saw her crying. And then she'd bury her hands in her face. And then she gave herself over to Christ. And then three days later, her three roommates kicked her out of the house. You know why? 
because she was different. She wasn't the same girl, not in the slightest. She was not the same girl. She was a new person. And being in that atmosphere, it's struggling. They're like, there ain't room for you and Jesus in this house. It's either got to be you or you got to get out because you guys can't stay here because there was a difference in her life. And then she continued to feed her new man, and I'm happy to say I'm proud of Andrew and Tabitha. Um, you got a lot of you guys knew them. They sat back here. Um, she, that her pastor called Pastor Scott and was like, hey, I just want to check on the membership of Tabitha Rich. Um, she's over here, wants to teach in our Sunday school. And before I allow her to, you know, put words on the mouth of our children, I want to make sure she was a member in good standing and everything else. And, you know, they talked about her story. And Tabitha's teaching in a church over in Gulfport, Mississippi right now. I'm so proud of them, right? And that's a, that's a story. And she's feeding herself on a regular basis. And you have to feed yourself because we are not supposed to walk as the rest of the Gentiles. And check this out. This, I love this. We're not to walk in the futility of their mind. That means they got whacked up minds. And I, I'm, I'm proud to go to say that as, as much as my mind is whacked up, I, I'm glad to know that somebody's worse. worse. And it's the Gentiles, all of them. Everybody's not saved. Their mind is more whacked up than me, and I'm happy for that. Um, but that doesn't mean that I'm not going to try to bring them to salvation. Their understanding has been darkened. If you remember in Pharaoh um, in Egypt with all the plagues, man, that's a... Really? I mean, you just drop frogs on me. They pile up. They stink. I mean, it, it's not going to take ten plagues for me. You show me one, I'm okay. But his heart was hardened, and their understanding is darkened. They are alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. Because of the ignorance that is in them. To understand God is the beginning of knowledge. And they don't understand God. They're ignorant and they're blind in their heart. Now, that's people that are unsaved. And that's Gentiles. And we do not want to walk that way in the Gentiles. And so now I want to kind of bring up something that is a way that we walk... Or otherwise, it wouldn't be in here. Um, in Galatians 5, 19 through 22, and a lot of you people will know this verse, are familiar with it at least. Uh, it says, Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, Outbursts of wrath or anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and all of the like of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in the past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And what I want you to understand, that... That verse that I just read is a series. That's a series to be preached on, that verse that I just read. Everything that's covered in that verse, I can't cover right now in the five or ten minutes that we have left. But here's the thing. If you think of everything bad, everything bad that you can do, whether it's not honoring your mother and father, whether it's lying or cheating or drunkenness or sex or any of these things, as a Christian, we should 
if we do these, which if we're talking to Christians, it's in the Bible for a reason because we do. But if we do these things, it should be a stumble. It should be a trip, a fall. You get caught in a wrong situation at the wrong time. Because here's the important thing. Here's the whole reason I brought this verse up. is the very last sentence that says, Those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. There's no matter how much you say or how much you think that you're saved. If you practice these things, you are not saved. If there's any of these things in here, I mean... You know, you, you might accidentally just go off and kill someone and then repent and never do it again. But if you're an assassin, you are not a saved person. There is nobody out there, none of those characters in the movie, uh, John Wick or anybody else, none of those people are going to inherit the kingdom of God because it says you can't murder and they practice such things. So here's the thing. Fornication, drunkenness, right? I mean... Hey, I tell you people all the time, I grew up in the Episcopal Church. One of our nicknames, I just I don't know if it was worldwide or just where I was at, but we were called the Whiskey Palians, right? Um, I, I learned how to play poker at a father-son church retreat where the men were sitting around smoking cigars, drinking whiskey while we were playing poker, okay? Not a good thing that you put your children into, right? Um, I shouldn't say that because, you know, i got to honor my dad. Well, I did. He won a lot. But here's the thing. The Bible does not say not to drink. The Bible says don't let it affect you, right? So if you drink every once in a while, I'm, I'm not going to say, oh, you shouldn't do that or you should do that. That's not up to me. But I am going to say this. If you practice it, if you end it every night, if you can't have, you know, if your wife's hiding the bottle and you're looking for them, or if you're hiding the bottle up in the, you know, the, the light fixture up top, um, you know, we, and I know, I know, because my brother and my dad were alcoholics. And I know. And if you practice these things, and here's the thing, my dad repented. My dad got saved for real when he was about 58 years old. He died at 67. So... I'd rather take nine years of being saved. I'd rather take nine minutes of being saved than go to hell forever. And I'll be honest with you, man, I love my brother. I love my brother. I still have pictures of my brother. He committed suicide two years ago. He was an alcoholic. There was a lot of things he did, he did not right. And I pray. I just pray that he did something that got saved. He was a good person. He was a good dude. But being a good dude doesn't get you into heaven. I've got a good guy where I used to work. I used to, my business that I owned. I had an employee to give you the shirt off his back, literally. He was a good guy. He would do anything for you. But he wasn't saved. And he'd tell you, I don't believe that. And it's like, he's like, well, if, if God, if God will send me to hell for being good on earth, then he ain't no God at all. And... I, I'm, I pray for him. I pray for him because he's a good person and he needs to get real salvation. We need to have real salvation. But I'm telling you, if you think you have it and you happen to be doing one of that really long list and you're doing it regular, 
then you have to do what Paul says and you have to examine yourself. Because if you're in that list of things, the the Bible is true. It's literal. It says, if you practice such things, you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. Another version says, instead of practice those things, it says live that lifestyle. So if you're the dude that's got the phone, the secret phone underneath the underneath your car and you're calling your girlfriend on a regular basis and do everything else right. You're living the lifestyle. You're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. These are things that we have to do is feed your new man, go to church, prepare daily, stumble upon sin, not have it as a lifestyle. In... 1630, in Proverbs 16.33, says the lot is cast in the lap, but every decision is from the Lord. We have to put the work in, but we've got to go to God first. God has to be on our mind daily. God has to be on our mind hourly. Every hour I need you. Oh, Lord, I need you. Every hour I need you. Because when something's going down, When we talk about making good choices, all you can do is make the best choice you have to you, and then you have to give it to God. Because right here it says, hey, casting the lots, that's an action. They're out there casting the lots. You have to cast your lots, your work, what you're doing daily. In your daily movement, in your daily thing that you're doing, in your works as you move throughout your day, you are constantly casting lots in this tense. You're constantly throwing the lot down, and God is going to determine how they fall. So all you can do is what you can do, and you let God determine how they fall. Lean on God. Lean on God. Have that relationship. In Proverbs 4.10, it says, Hear my son, and receive my saying, and the years of your life will be many. And that's such a simple, that's just such a simple little proverb. But it encompasses everything. Saying, listen to me. I'm God, I'm your father. Listen to me. Receive my sayings. What are his sayings? The sayings are the word. The sayings are what's in the Bible. The sayings are what I've gone over. Search the scriptures daily. Listen to his word. Talk to God. Listen to God. Hear my son. Receive my sayings. And you have to do what they say, and the years of your life will be many. You have to do what they say. You have to lean on God. You have to go to God first, and you have to trust them. And the last thing I've got is, it's so easy to say this. Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Don't let life get in the way. Don't let life get in the way of you being a Christian. Things are not going to always be easy. Matter of fact, they're going to be hard. Most of what I've talked about up here today, it's a hard thing to do. to, To daily get into it. To daily interact with people. To daily do right. To constantly do right. Your rewards will be many. I'm going to tell you, a lot, and a lot of people say, well, that's why I don't want to be in Christian. They're going to take away all my fun. But here's the thing. When you're doing the right thing, 
You may not even realize it, but you know, you're doing the right thing. Life's going along smooth. And sometimes you're, you're doing it right, and then it's just like, oh, well, I want to go and do that. Because we revert back to our old nature. Our old nature is our old man. And unless we, I mean, God tells us, we got to stay on top of this thing. Being a Christian is not easy. we got to stay on top of this thing. We can have everything inside us. Loves God. Wanting His kingdom. Wanting to be with Him. Say all the right things. Do the right things. But if we start letting them go. If we just think, okay, I've achieved this level. And I'm good. I'm going to make it. I'm 45 and I've... I'm where I need to be, so I'm going to just let it ride out because I've served God for 25 years, and I'm going to make it now. I'm going to ride it on out. No, you're not. Daily, daily, until you're 61, 76, 64, 18, 25. It doesn't matter. Daily, we have to lean on God we have to get into his word. We have to get in scripture. We have to, we have to work at being a Christian. Again, it's not about salvation. The ultimate question is, are you saved? But that's going to get us. The salvation is going to get us to the kingdom. But we're not in this world. Or we're, we're in this world. We're not of this world. We have that dual citizenship. We're not looking to spend the eternity here on this earth. We're looking to spend eternity on a new earth with Jesus as our Savior. That's what our goal is. We're seeking the kingdom of God. That's one of the crowns is to seek the kingdom of God. We need to be seeking it. We need to be doing it on a daily basis. So which one do you choose? Right? If if you're saved... Are you satisfied with just making it into heaven? Are you satisfied with real salvation and going, okay, I know I'm in, so I'm not going to worry about other things. I'm just going to try and ride it out the best I can until the time happens. Or are you actually going to make a choice? Are you actually going to serve? Because God lays before you. He tells you. Are you going to listen to our Father? Are you going to do what he says and receive the blessing or are you going to not do what he says and get a curse Eric I'm going to ask you a question as a father's love are there times that you've received a cursing and are there times you've received a blessing are the blessings when you do bad they're when you do good do you ever get good stuff when you do bad God's our father We need to do what he says. We need to make him proud. We need to pray for wisdom. We need to pray for knowledge. We need to pray so that we can have the ability to get through this earth that is not ours. It's a fight. It's a struggle. We can be blessed beyond all belief. Or, I've said it before, somewhere in the course of history, from Adam to now... And till the future, when God comes back, there's going to be a Christian on earth that had the worst Christian life possible. But his eternity is salvation. His eternity 
is the kingdom of God. His blessing is going to come because he did the things that God asked, he or she. We have to do the things that God asked. So the choice is yours. Which one do you choose? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your love. We thank you for loving us first so that we might know you and that we are not ignorant and that we're not blind and that we're not hard-hearted. Lord, we thank you for reaching in and touching our hearts and touching our lives so that we might know you. And we thank you for the ability to seeking your kingdom. We thank you for the opportunity that you give us to serve you and to bless you and to be your children of God, Lord. God of all creation, we thank you that you reach out. You have an ear to us, that you're willing to have an individual relationship with each and every one of us, Lord. It is amazing that you offer that much. All the glory that we have goes to you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at AOCFnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to AOCFnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.